This is a Federal News Network podcast. As telework expanded rapidly for the federal workforce, so did the use of commercial clouds and cloud services. A study by McAfee found it grew about 50 percent, and that in turn seems to have attracted a blizzard of cybersecurity threats. With more on the study, McAfee's U.S. Public Sector Chief Technology Strategist, Ned Miller. Mr. Miller, good to have you on. Good morning, Tom. Thank you. Give us a sense, first of all, across all of the sectors, how much cloud and cloud services grew, because the numbers are pretty astounding during the pandemic. Yes, Tom, that's a, that's accurate. We observed uh, collaboration services, as an example, things like Microsoft Office 365, Microsoft Teams, Slack, uh, WebEx, etc., Zoom, as an example, uh, increased over 600% in usage during a period of time which we were um, studying uh, from late January through the April timeframe. Pretty significant in government and financial services, actually. What about, say, manufacturing or some of those sectors or food services, that kind of thing? Does it get that fine-grained? I mean, how does government compare in its growth of these services compared to other parts of the economy? Great observation, Tom. We have uh, obviously observed all of the uh, sectors that we monitor uh, globally. So across the globe, uh, including financial services, healthcare, public sector, state and local, education, retail, uh, technology, manufacturing, energy, utilities, legal, real estate, transportation, and even business services at the, the small business level have all seen a significant increase in the use of cloud-based services. And you're 100% accurate. We've seen the, the security threat landscape also uh, increase exponentially across all of those sectors with government uh, being in uh, the top three. Sure. And I guess as an aside, before we get into some of the details on security, it's kind of remarkable how well the Internet itself has held up, which is something of a security issue if operations are interrupted because the Internet somehow is brought to a halt. True. In, in my uh, interactions with a number of uh, C-level executives, CIOs, uh, chief information security officers, etc., it, it appears as though we've adapted pretty well to the significant surge in increase of users uh, working remotely. Um, there was uh, some challenges in the beginning, but now that we're 12, 14 weeks into uh, having to adapt, the, the challenge of getting access now seems to have subsided to a certain extent. What now uh, we are seeing uh, in this report provides some empirical evidence here is that security has uh, risen to the top again in terms of one of the chief concerns, and it's specifically related to the types of security cloud uh, specific applications that users are uh, accessing. Yes, let's talk about those. What are some of the specific new threats that come because of use of these things from ranging from Slack to Skype to Zoom and all of those? Sure. So within the collaboration tool category itself, there, there's a couple of things that we encourage uh, cyber defenders and users to be well aware of. So when you're sharing uh, data with these collaboration tools. It's by design made to be very easy for you and I to exchange information in lots of different formats. We can exchange emails, we can cut and paste, we can work jointly on PowerPoint uh, presentations, we can share spreadsheets, and it's made to be very easy to do. Unfortunately, what a lot of folks don't realize is it's actually happening in the cloud itself. In some of the traditional legacy-based security tools, that would typically provide some level of visibility and enforcement on the data 
is not able to see what is actually occurring as it's moving or traversing cloud to cloud. So there's new threats that are introduced. The uh, adversaries are starting to attack these uh, collaboration capabilities in uh, a, a number of different forms. Um, we're starting to see a lot more attacks on uh, credentials, as you might imagine. Once uh, credentials are compromised, then it's very easy to get access to this data without implementing the right kinds of new cybersecurity tools uh, to prevent this kind of behavior. We're speaking with Ned Miller. He's Chief Technology Strategist for U.S. Public Sector at McAfee. And when you say that they attack the cloud-to-cloud transactions and movements, does that imply that some of the services and collaboration tools providers regularly hop from cloud to cloud just for their own load balancing purposes, and that's where some of the vulnerability comes in? Yes, and I would extend that a little bit further. Just the the nature by which uh, the cloud providers um, provide access and can stipulate um, uh, service levels to five nines, as we say in the industry, they have fault tolerance built in, so data can be stored in uh, lots of different locations. And as a result, uh, we start to introduce risk because the data could reside in multiple cloud locations. So uh, from that perspective, now you need to have the ability to have visibility into where your data is. Is it secure, meaning is it encrypted? Uh, and with the government leveraging multiple cloud service providers now, it's imperative that they, uh, the cyber defenders have tool sets that give visibility across cloud service providers. So whether they're using AWS or Microsoft or Google or Oracle for that matter, um, visibility into where your data is, who's accessing it, uh, is critical to uh, putting together a good governance model. So it's true then that the attackers are spending less time worrying about endpoints, in other words, because the endpoints are sending their data to somewhere where they've found a fresh way to get at it. Would that be an accurate way to put it? It's, it's certainly one perspective. I would also submit for consideration that we've seen a significant uptick in usage of uh, endpoints that are considered unmanaged by the enterprise or by the agency or department, still getting access to cloud-sanctioned services, and these unmanaged devices, um, we have no idea what security state they would be in. So they also become, yet again, another rich target for adversaries to, to focus on. Got so it. we're seeing it in both sides now. All right, so let's talk about the cloud end for a moment. I'm an agency, and I may have applications and, and other data in a cloud, say a Microsoft cloud, a Google cloud, whatever cloud. I'm also using a collaboration tool, which may also use that cloud, but that's a different customer than I am for my source data. So what is a good strategy for making sure that your Zooms and your Ring Centrals and your Slacks and all those things are as protected as you would be if you were accessing your stuff directly from your own cloud services provider under your own contract? So from our lens and what we're we're suggesting to customers is to look for technologies such as uh, what we refer to as CASB, Cloud Access Security Brokers, that provides administrators and cyber uh, professionals and defenders the visibility and control over cloud access for sanctioned services. It provides a data protection policy enforcement. 
and can also uh, provide visibility into user behavior. So when you have those key elements uh, within your span of control, it starts to mitigate the risk as your data traverses any one of these clouds. Obviously, encryption is still key, and the ability to ensure that you have encryption and the uh, systems where uh, your data is being stored, you have control and visibility over whether or not the, the configurations of who has access to the data are continuously being monitored is critical to a successful governance model. And for those unmanaged or unsanctioned endpoints that people are using, should those be brought into the endpoint management systems that are the, the, the mobile device management systems that agencies have, or should it maybe say, should they maybe say, folks, you got to use the devices we issue and get back to some sort of security regime here? Tom, that's a great question. The, the reality is as the device uh, over time continues to evolve, having unmanaged devices as part of an organization strategy is going to be the new reality that we have to deal with. Being able to manage every single classification of device uh, is extremely difficult and in some cases um, cost prohibitive uh, for agencies and departments. What we've been working with, Homeland Security is an example, um, the CISA organization put out additional guidance related to telework um, around the TIC 3.0 initiative as an example, and they specifically call out alternative approaches for unmanaged or even managed devices to get direct access to sanctioned services or SaaS-based applications that reside inside the agency. Some of the recommendations are that those endpoints go through a web security gateway and or a CASB, you know, cloud access security broker, to ensure that the uh, user authentication, device authentication, and then access to the data is monitored, and again, there's a uh, security profile against who has access to what data and when. And in the early days of so-called BYOD, bring your own device, you heard anecdotes about people wanting their Xboxes to be accessed because they've got good graphics and monitors and so forth. Are you still seeing that, or is it mostly phones that are just simply owned by by the end users? It's mostly uh, still computer systems, notebook systems. There's less of the you know, perhaps the classification of IoT access, if you would describe, you know, uh, Xbox in that kind of category. Uh, to us, though, it is a device, and it is another way to get access uh, to the Internet. So there are protections that could be put in place for those classifications of devices as well. But it's it's less of that today, uh, at least in the, the, the way the study has looked at it. It's mostly uh, folks using their own devices from home, uh, or uh, agency-issued uh, computers that uh, they're going back through the agency VPN to get access to uh, certain classifications of data. Ned Miller is Chief Technology Strategist for the U.S. Public Sector at McAfee. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. We do appreciate it. We'll post this interview along with a link to that latest report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free 
comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's Sentence Clarity Rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.